One night I dreamed a dream. I was walking along with the beach, along the beach with my Lord. The picture is up there. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life, and from each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. When the last scene of my life shot before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. There was only one set of footprints. I realized that this was the lowest and saddest times of my life. This always bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about my dilemma. Lord, you told me when I decided to follow you, you would walk and talk with me all the way. But I'm aware that during the most troublesome times of my life, there is only one set of footprints. I just don't understand why. When I needed you most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you, never, ever, during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Who finds great comfort in that poem? It is a wonderful poem, but have you ever wondered what Bible verse inspired it? Is there one particular verse that inspired that poem, Footprints in the Sand? There is some point to Deuteronomy 131 that says, In the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you, a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Or maybe like the song that we sang this morning, it comes from Matthew eleven twenty eight, where Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's unknown, actually, what verse inspired this poem. It's certainly a biblical poem, in, the meaning, in its truth and its meaning. The author of the poem is unknown. In fact, it's interesting, as I did a little research on it, there's a few different people that are claiming they wrote the poem. I'm sure they want the copyright and all that that goes with it. But as I studied Luke 24, the, for today's message, today's sermon, that's the passage that we're in, Luke 24, as I studied that, I realized that passage in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, which is the title, is a story of two men. And I I think, as you'll see, as I'll reveal it to you, as I'll show you what happened there, I think that that is what inspired the footprints in the sand. You see, two men take a walk on this road to a village called Emmaus. And from the timeline standpoint, we've just celebrated recently Easter, Easter is Resurrection Sunday. On the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. And this is Sunday, that Sunday. So we're kind of in this uh, few Sundays here where I'm teaching about the appearances of Jesus, when Jesus appeared to people when he was alive after he was crucified. And these men were walking on this road. They were sad because Jesus was crucified And the third day, they had heard some reports that he was alive, like the tomb was empty. So they're walking and talking, and while they're going along on this little journey, there's a man that approaches them and starts walking with them and starts asking them questions. And you find out pretty quickly that these men are sad, confused, and disappointed. And they don't even realize that the man that has approached them, that starts walking with them, is actually Jesus. Why not? Why didn't they recognize him? They didn't see him. We'll find out why 
today. But I believe we all have those times in our lives where we're going through life full of sadness and disappointment and confusion. Maybe you're in that place right now where you're walking through life and you're a little bit hurt. You got some troubles going on, you got some struggles that you're dealing with, and you just can't really see Jesus. Maybe that's where you're at right now. But here's the truth I want you to see today. Jesus is always right alongside of us. And sometimes, like that poem, he is carrying you. And and we may not see it clearly, but he is there. So when you find yourself on this road to Emmaus, because I think we all get there at some point in our lives, we find ourselves on this road to Emmaus, figuratively speaking, we should do, I'm encouraging you to do what these men did. They listened to Jesus explain God's word. And when Jesus explains the word, you'll see their hearts burned within them. They had spiritual heartburn, and it was a good thing because God's word gave them hope. It encouraged them. It revealed his promises to them. And eventually their eyes were opened, and they saw that Jesus was with them the whole time. The road to Emmaus. I think it's what inspired the footprints in the sand, and I think it will inspire you today. I think it will give you hope because Jesus promises he will never leave us and he never will. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, as we come together, as we, as we open our minds to your word, as we block out all the distractions that are going on, all of the things that we think we want to do today, let us just focus in and dial in to you to hear from you, to hear from your word. Help us to do that today. Help us to see clearly your son Jesus as he reveals the truth that he has for us. May your Holy Spirit teach us today and guide us. And pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell us the story of Jesus. And for a year and a half, I've been going through the harmony of those Gospels. And today we're in Luke, Luke specifically, chapter 24. And Luke uh, was written by Luke. It's not always the case, you know, you'll get to Timothy and Philemon and some of these other books in the Bible, they're not written by the name that's on the book. But this is written by Luke. Luke was a historian and a physician. He's a very well-educated man, and he is a historian with that, that tells his stories with great detail. For example, Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, he tells us about two men on the road to Emmaus, And he uses two verses to cover it, whereas Luke uses 37 verses to tell us the story. And so we have this wonderful, detailed story of the life of these two men on the road to Emmaus. They're followers of Jesus, we find out. They had experienced his crucifixion. And what did the disciples, the followers of Jesus do, kind of between, if you will, the, the, the crucifixion, which happened on Friday, and the resurrection, which happened on Sunday. Where, where were the disciples? What, what happened to them? They scattered when Jesus was arrested. They went into hiding. They were huddled in fear. And on the third day, women came from the tomb because they were going to um, anoint Jesus' body with spices and do what you do during a burial And uh, they said, the tomb's empty. And so now everybody's kind of just wandering around 
um, with, they're just kind of confused about what's going on. In fact, if you um, look at uh, the, the other Gospels, they will tell you that Peter and John, two of the closest disciples to Jesus, they said, we got to see this for ourselves. You know who you are when you got to see it for yourself. And they just started running to the tomb. And John tells a story. We know this because John says that I beat Peter. It was a race. And I won. And that's a guy thing that we do, right? If you're telling the story, you tell who won the race. Even if you lost, you say, I won. John said, I won. I beat Peter. And they got to the tomb, and they found out that, yeah, it's empty. And so now everybody's just kind of like, what's going on? They're wandering around. And these two guys decide to wander to Emmaus which is about seven miles away. We're going to pick it up in Luke 24, verse 13. So if you have verse 13, Luke 24 in your Bible, we have free Bibles for you. They're in the chairs in front of you. They're in the back. Please take one if you'd like one. Verse 13, that very day two men were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. Verse 14, they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing them. Hmm. I think that's fascinating. That Jesus walked right up next to them, and they didn't know it was Jesus. How did that happen? How does that happen? How do, when you think about that, you say, well, what was going on there? Um, you might understand, if you're into psychology, it's called inattentional blindness. Or if you like to be on YouTube, a while back there was a viral video of some people playing catch. And in the midst of these people playing catch, you were instructed to try to count how many passes they made during the video. And in the midst of this short video, they were playing catch, a gorilla walks in the middle of the screen and then walks off. How many of you saw that? You remember that? A few of you. Okay. Well, when... Uh, when, when the gorilla walks through, you ask the question at the end, did you see the gorilla? And half the people don't see the gorilla. You say, how is that possible? There's a big, giant gorilla on the screen. Well, they call it inattentional blindness. You're so fixated on one thing, you don't see the other thing. So some might say, well, maybe they were just fixated kind of on their grief. You know, they were, they were sad and disappointed and all of that, and they just didn't see it. Well, another uh, group of people would say, well, I think Jesus put on a disguise. You know, all the actors in the room are like, yeah, he had a disguise. Uh, like Joshua Bell did in a D.C. metro station a while back, the world-famous violinist put on a baseball cap and a T-shirt, and he pretended he was playing for spare change. And for 45 minutes, he put on a concert of classical music, played beautifully, and nobody noticed them. Imagine that. Joshua Bell, free concert, and you missed it. Maybe Jesus was wearing a disguise. <clears throat> I don't know if they had caps and t-shirts back then, but maybe he had on that and they didn't know. But I doubt it. Actually, I think the most likely reason why they didn't recognize Jesus is because God didn't want them to, and here's why. He didn't want them to see Jesus face to face. He wanted them to see Jesus as revealed by the Word of God. And I say that because that's how we see Jesus today. All followers today of Christianity see Jesus as he is revealed in the Bible. We don't have photographs of Jesus. We don't have videos of Jesus. So we have to see him 
as he's revealed in the word of God. And Jesus himself is the one who reveals to these two men. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still and they looked sad. You can just kind of picture that scenario, you know, there's these two guys, they're talking and they're just kind of like disappointed and Jesus says, you know, what's going on? We're sad. We're, we're disappointed. Where, where do we even start? In Cleopas, or Cleopas, verse 18, that was his name, he's named, and it's always fun to sort of guess uh, who was the other guy. You know, was it Luke? Was it, you know, was it Simon Peter? There's lots of scholars are suggesting who the other guy is. Luke just doesn't say his name. We don't know. We won't know until we go to heaven and ask. Hey, Cleopas, who are you walking with to Emmaus? We just, we don't know. Are you, but Cleopas says, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Like, this is a dumb question they're asking. Or as my teenage son would say, where have you been, bro? You don't know what things are happening? Come on, everybody knows what's going on, bro. I'm not your bro, I'm your dad, all right? Let's get that straight. And Jesus said to them, what things? <laughs> I mean, he's just pretending to not know. But he has a purpose. Jesus has a purpose. Why is he pretending to not know it, what's going on? I mean, he knows what, what happened. He knows. Here's, the, here's why. He wants to hear from them what they think about Jesus. He wants them to say it out loud. He wants to hear from them. Verse 19 goes on to say, they respond with, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. That statement alone, when you, when you just sit on that for a minute, specifically the words, a man who was a prophet, you realize how disappointing that is. They're talking in the past tense. And they're calling Jesus a prophet only. When he was alive on Palm Sunday, we sang out, blessed be the king, the king of all kings. He was their Lord, Peter said. He was the Messiah, the promised Messiah. But now in their minds, at this point in their life, they see Jesus as just a prophet. Just like all the others that came and went. Can I be transparent with you for just a moment? Is it okay if I tell you what our goal is here at Life of Purpose? I know some of us, when we go to church for the first time, and there's some guests here that maybe have been here before, and or maybe you're watching on Facebook and you think that churches are out for your money. Well, let me pull back the curtain, okay, so you can see the wizard of LOP, all right? The Wizard of LOP is telling you that our goal is not to take your money. Our goal is, we have one major goal, and that's to make you an awesome disciple of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. We want you to be an awesome disciple of Jesus. We do not want you to be a couch potato disciple of Jesus. 
We want you to grow in your faith and spiritually grow up and be a mature Christian. And we have four ways to measure it. We have four ways to see how you're doing. You might find this very interesting. I'm trying to be as transparent as I can. How are you doing as a disciple in your mature walk with God? We have four ways to look at that. First of all, are you worshiping regularly on Sunday? That's one, way that, that's one thing that we look at. Secondly, are you in a Bible study of some sort, an anchor group as we call them, that anchors you to the Word of God and to fellowship with other Christians? Are you in a Bible study like that? Are you attending something like that? Thirdly, are you giving to God 10% or more? I think that's the, the tithe means 10%. They gave tithes and offerings in the Old Testament. I think it translates to the new in terms of giving cheerfully because Jesus simply said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And you know how it is. You will give to things you love. If your kid wants to play travel baseball, you'll pay $2,000 so he'll play travel baseball. Confession. (laughs) You will give to the things you care about. If you care about God, you'll give. It's 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 a mark of discipleship, of maturity. And lastly, are you serving using your gifts and talents? God has given you as a Christian a manifestation of his Holy Spirit to be used to build up his church. And we're trying to give you ways to serve here. We have a serving day coming up, May 14th. We have lots of servings. I spent an afternoon talking with the person at McRest, which is a rotating shelter for the homeless, and we have opportunities to go there and feed the homeless and house the homeless. So there's lots of opportunities to use your gifts and talents. So those are four ways that we kind of look at. And um, we don't really look, if, if I'm being honest here, we don't really look at those things in your life until you've been coming for about a year. I mean, we're not going to, okay, you came a couple of times. All right, let's look. Let's see how they're doing. You know, we don't do that. Like, you've got to be here for a while before we start. And if you've been here for over a year and we look at, you know, where you're at and you're just kind of coasting along, well, now we're going to put on the full core pressure. All right, well, now we're, no, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. We're just going to keep inviting you to take your next step. Because that's what God would want you to do. It's a marathon. It's a journey, your walk with God. And so what's your next step? Maybe, maybe your next step is, oh, I, I need to start serving. Or maybe your next step is, I need to really give. Because money's an issue in my life, and I, I think I, it's a problem, and I need to give. I'm not doing that. And my heart is not right about it, and I need to give. Maybe it's, I, I need to just make a commitment to get out of bed on Sunday morning I mean, we can't move it back any later, folks. It's 11 a.m. <laughs> we used to be at 10 a.m. And I said, let's go to 11 because people just, yeah. So, but in all, <clears throat> before we even get to that one-year mark, just so you know, if you've been coming here for a little while and you haven't even been coming for a year, there's a couple of things that we try to do in that first year of your of your um, attend, uh, coming to Life of Purpose. The first thing that we try to do is invite you to meet our leaders. So we usually have a breakfast or a lunch where we say, hey, come, meet our leaders. Just listen to our story. We'll tell you how our church started and how everything's going. You'll meet the people that are kind of working behind the scenes and all of that. And if you want to share your story, share it. And we just get to know you. <clears throat> and then from there, um, there's a class that, that I teach called Welcome to This Church. 
And when I say this, it's really <clears throat> welcome to his church. Uh, what does it mean to belong to a church? And then, of course, what does it mean to belong to this church specifically? And so that class is kind of a step-by-step. And what I've discovered as I've walked lots of you through this class is that when you go through this class, I've discovered that people have a, some different ideas of what church is, and they have some different ideas of who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, who, who Jesus is. So one of our goals <clears throat> coming up now is to have some starting point conversations with new folks just to hear where they're at. Because you might have gone to all kinds of different churches before you came here, and now you're here, and, and, and we just need to have a conversation and just say, hey, where are you at? No judgment, just, just hey, where are you at? What do you believe? And so on. And I think we need to do that because this is what Jesus did. Right here on the road to Emmaus. He's right here walking with these guys, and he wants to know where they're at. Where are they at? They're at. Jesus was a prophet. And he needs to help them see, no, no, Jesus is not just a prophet. He's he's much more than that. And in verse 25, he says to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I read that so nicely and and softly, but you don't know if Jesus kind of put the hammer down on him a little bit and gave him a spiritual smack in the face. Boys, wake up. I don't know. Maybe we need that sometimes, but, but I think Jesus was gentle when he needed to be gentle. But wouldn't you like to know what he taught them at that point? Like, what did he say exactly? We don't have an audio recording, it would have been nice, but we don't really need it. All we need to do is open our own Bibles and look. Because he didn't quote a verse that's not in the Bible. He talked about Moses and the prophets. And if we do a little bit of studying... In fact, if you just read the New Testament, you'll see how many times the writers of the New Testament quoted the Old Testament to help people make the connection. You see what happened back then? Look it. Jesus fulfilled it. He came to fulfill all righteousness. In fact, John points out as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, something that happened such a long time ago. What was that all about? When when Moses held up his staff and there was this... This serpent thing in the will. What was that all about? Well, Jesus said, so the Son of Man also must be lifted up because whoever believes in him may have eternal life. See, the people that looked up at that were healed. And when we look up at the cross and we look at Jesus, we're healed. There's a connection there that, the, that is being made and the New Testament continues to make it. Every Christian needs to belong to a Bible-teaching church. Just like an athlete needs a good coach, every Christian needs a good Bible coach so you can understand. I ask for help all the time. You don't think that before I, um, my preparation uh, for this message on Sunday is, God, spiritual osmosis time. Give to me what I need for Sunday. No! I open up my Bible and I read and I pray and I study so I can understand. 
And the more I do, the more God reveals to me, and the same will happen for you. And it happened for these two men. Verse 28, they drew near to the village to which they were going, and Jesus acted as if he was going further. I love that. Like, okay, boys, we'll see you later. And they're like, no, wait, wait, wait. They urged him strongly, verse 29 says, stay with us. It's almost evening. The day is almost over. It's almost getting dark. And so he went in to stay with them, and he was at the table with them, and he took bread and blessed it. He prayed for the meal, and he gave him the bread. I, I just love how Jesus is always gathering around a dinner table with his disciples. I mean, when you read this, you see this all the time. I mean, one of my questions when I see Jesus in heaven is, okay, Jesus, what was your favorite pizza? Like, I just want to know that. What was your favorite pizza toppings? I know what mine are. Do we have, I mean, I like the Mediterranean pizza, okay? I'm thinking I'm in there with Jesus on this. I don't know. But Jesus blessed the food. And when he did, they, it opened their eyes. And they saw Jesus at that point face to face. Their eyes were open, verse 31. They recognized him. And at that moment, he vanished from their sight. Which is really interesting because Jesus is now in his new heavenly body, his resurrected body, and he has some interesting abilities now. He just can disappear like that. And we're going to find out in a second. He'll he'll come back and, and appear where they go. Verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? They had a spiritual heartburn. Their their hearts were on fire. Jesus revealed to them through the Bible himself. Jesus will reveal to you himself today. If you want to see Jesus, you just need to open up your Bible. That's how they saw him. That's how we see him. And I will tell you, when I became a Christian, in my mid-20s, I didn't know about Jesus. I knew a few things because I had gone to church a few times growing up. It was spotty, my church experiences. But at that point in my life, as I was searching for purpose in my life, because in your mid-20s, you start to kind of start to realize you don't know everything, but then you have goals, and so you start to accomplish those goals, and then you start to realize there's more to life than just Money and houses and cars and, and, and all of that. So you, that's where I was at. And I didn't know much about Jesus, but I was on uh, this kind of journey, just the beginning of it, and I was getting a lot of spiritual heartburn. I would go to church and, and I would get real emotional and things were, were starting to you know, just kind of get to me and, and I was, didn't really understand much. But then at, at one point in time, in a specific time, and I remember it vividly, that, that I knew that God loved me. I knew he was real. And he loved me. And he had a plan for me. But it, I didn't really know much about Jesus. But I knew God loved me. And he was real. My eyes were open to that. And it was from there that I began to read my Bible. And when I started to read my Bible, I started to discover who Jesus was and how I'm forgiven for my sins and how he is the one who made that happen. 
My eyes were open to his truth. And I believe that that's, that's kind of how it works for all of us. Our eyes get opened and, and we begin to want to know more about God. And if you're at that place, I encourage you, don't stop. Don't hide. Don't let this time go by. Keep pursuing him. Open up your Bible so you can see Jesus. Because when you, when you see him, it, it brings so much joy. And then when you do get excited about Jesus, you go and tell others. Don't you do that when you're excited about something? I was at a family party yesterday, and, uh, and uh, one of uh, the family members saw a really good movie, and he couldn't stop talking about it. Like, I kept hearing him. Like, every person he would talk to, you know, how he was in a party. Like, hey, how's you know, you talking to these people? Hey, have you seen this movie? You know, and then he'd go over here. Hey, have you seen this movie? Like, he's just telling everybody about this, this movie. And um, when you find a good restaurant, you tell everybody, they got great food, don't you? Yeah, you do. When you find a great band, like Bobby's band, you tell everybody about it, right? When you find a good fishing spot, you tell no one. (laughs) Exceptions to the rule, okay? But these two men immediately left Emmaus to go tell the rest. Verse 33, they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem. You understand, it was dark. They had to make that journey back in the dark. And they got back to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and all that were gathered together, and they said, the Lord has risen indeed. He's appeared to Simon. They told what happened on the road, and, he's, and how he, he was made known to us when, they, when we broke bread. And then right at that moment in that room, Jesus came back and appeared to all of them. And it says in verse 45, he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. You see what Jesus is doing. He's helping his disciples understand, and he's preparing them for the journey that they have to be witnesses for him, to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's the reason why the Redfords are in Chad, Africa. It's the reason why um, the missionaries that we support are all over the world telling people about Jesus because Jesus prepared us to do that. We're all going to be on the road to Emmaus at some point. Sometimes we're going to be doubting, wavering in our faith like these men were. Sometimes we're going to be struggling with the truth. Sometimes you're going to find yourself not understanding and you need someone to help you understand. Sometimes you just want to see Jesus and get closer to God and feel his presence in your life. And when that happens, how do you do that? What do you do? These men went to the Word. Well, the Word came to them. But what can you do when you're in that place, when you're on the road to Mass? You can open up the Bible. You can get into the Word and you can read it. And when you dig in, God will open up your eyes and your faith will be made stronger. Truth will be revealed to you. God will put in your life that special person at exactly that time that you need them. That's called grace. And they will help you and His Spirit will refresh you. All because the Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is God breathed and it's profitable for you. It's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You need the Bible on your road to Emmaus to see Jesus. And I want to encourage you today to make a promise to God. God's made a lot of promises to you. You probably haven't even discovered 90% of them. But when you read the Bible, you'll start to see them. But I would like you to make a promise to Him, to God. And that simple promise is is that you're going to go home and read your Bible. That's the promise you need to make to God, that you're going to read your Bible. And I don't want to hear any excuses of I don't like to read because there's too much technology out here that just lets you listen to the Word of God. 
Just press the button, and there's a voice, and there's lots of different voices. You can listen to this guy, and this guy, or this woman. You, if It's like Siri. You could probably have an accent. I mean, you can have whatever you want. I listened to the whole Bible from James Earl Jones a long time ago. I mean, you can have whoever you want and hear the Bible. And we have free Bibles here for you. You have apps that you can download. And one of the things that I'm just about finished working on is a series of four emails that will help you get started in reading your Bible. Because there's so many questions that come up, what version, all this kind of stuff. And so if you would like that, if you'd like that series of emails, I'll send that to you. All you have to do is on the connection card on the chair in front of you is just mark down you know, how to read your Bible and circle that. Put that in there. Make sure your name's on there, and I'll email you that and uh, help you get started in reading your Bible. Make that promise. When you make that promise to read your Bible and you follow through on that, you will find that it, your life will change for the better. I promise you that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll have our final song. Lord God, today we make a promise to you to read our Bible. Not to inform us, but to be transformed by it. God, help us to see truth. Because Lord, we live in a world that's got a lot of lies. A lot of problems. A lot of distortions of the truth. And Lord, we need to know the real truth. We need to know what's real. And we need to know the promises you have for us, the love you have for us. So I pray, Father, that you will show us. And I pray for those that are here today that maybe are hurting, confused, sad, disappointed. I pray, Father, that you bless them. Bless them in a way that they know it's you and no one else. In Jesus' name, amen.